HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to Straight No Chaser on this Sunday morning. We're broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick. This is the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we attended Occupy Big Food on Wall Street yesterday. Jack, can you play us a clip? Hi, everyone. My name is Anna LaPay, and I, uh, I'm so excited to be here, to be among all of us uh, in support and with the people over at Occupy Wall Street. You know, I think we all can agree that our food system's pretty broken for the 99%, and it's working pretty well for the 1%. The CEO of Kraft Foods last year made 600 times more than the typical food prep worker who makes $9.18 an hour. So that's like the Kraft CEO is making something like $6,500 an hour. Um, so we've got incredible inequality. We've got the same problems of you know, deregulation and the commodities markets that made a windfall for the bankers and left tens of millions of people hungry. And, uh, you know, I think that like, like the folks across the street, you know, things have to change and it's not going to change just by us sitting around inside in our warm apartments. We have to come out into the streets sometimes. So thanks for being here, everyone. And I'm Marion Nessel. I'm a professor at NYU, and I'm here in support of our wonderful students who've organized this. I was a, an undergraduate at Berkeley in the 60s, and I thought it would never come again, and I'm really happy to see it. So go for it, everyone. I'm, I'm Mal. I'm a retired professor of nutrition from Cornell, upstate, and I'm a farm boy from Illinois, and I'm here to support you all. I organized the event. I'm an NYU student. Um, I'm here. I brought you all here. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Our food system is totally rotten. We need to fix it. We're going to keep doing these events. 
Um, this is only the beginning, and I want you all to continue the momentum with me. The food movement needs to line up with Occupy Wall Street. We are inherently anti-corporate, and we're ready to fight. We're ready to fight. Well, that was Erica Lade, who is in the studio with me now. This is uh, Straight No Chaser. And we are talking about Occupy Big Food with Kristen Wartman, Erica Lade. Thanks very much, ladies, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. And now, Kristen, you're a food writer, so your byline appears in the Huffington Post, Grist, um, Civil Eats, Civil Eats, etc. And Erica, you're a student at NYU. Yeah, in food studies. So, how did this? Ha- tell me how this happened. How did you guys get together to organize this event, and what what were the goals? Yeah, I mean, it was really actually super organic in its beginnings, uh, if I can pun already. Um, (laughs) So what happened was that I have been in food studies at NYU for a couple years, and I really started paying attention to stuff at Wall Street recently. And I thought, okay, this is like everything I do in my classes. We're talking about corporations and how they control our diets by building up their bottom line. And I said, okay, everything down at Wall Street is the same idea. Um, They're controlling all of our money. They're controlling our lives by um, only fixating on their bottom lines. And I really wanted to bring food down to the discussion at Wall Street. And I thought, okay, I'm an NYU student. I have some clout here. I can make a Facebook event and see what happens. Kristen contacted me through that. And we just started like, you know, kind of going for it and building up the event. It was really kind of serendipitous because I had just written this article that was on uh, Civil Eats and Huffington Post, you know, why the food movement should occupy Wall Street. And when I saw Erica's Facebook page, I was so excited and I was I sent her my article and we just really joined forces to really bring some more attention to the deep connection between Wall Street and our food supply. Absolutely. So um, what do you think what what do you think the fallout is going to be? Do you think other people who are in the Occupy Wall Street area who are part of that whole protest are going to start glomming onto the idea that food is a big part of the issues that fa- that we face in terms of fixing the system overall? Or do you see this as like a whole totally separate thing that will just have its own organic life? No pun intended. Um, <laughs> as whatever happens with Occupy Wall Street happens. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think sometimes people that connection isn't super clear between Wall Street and food because it is so, like, purposely hidden from the public. Um, I know Kristen can speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, well, I mean, I just think, you know, when the uh, 2008 financial crisis happened, everyone knew about Goldman Sachs and uh, Fannie Mae, but no one knew about Monsanto, Cargill, all these huge corporations, and there's there's not that many of them. It's a handful that Mm -hmm. really control the food supply. And so we want to really make that more visible to the American people. And, you know, it's so interesting because people think, you go in a supermarket and you see all these choices on the shelves, and you think, oh, wow, I have so many choices. But the truth is, they're all controlled by a few companies. And um, it's this illusion of choice that's really there. And it's actually kind of mirrors the whole political system when you think about it, because we don't really have that much of a choice either in who we're voting for. They're all controlled by, te- you know, the same people. So <laughs> very true. They are all <laughs> controlled by those deep pockets. Right. Um, so since Occupy Wall Street doesn't have like a very specific agenda, do you guys have a specific agenda about how you intend to um, continue to lobby against these large corporations what's the what's the ground the game plan yeah we definitely have a working agenda um in the spirit of the occupy wall street movement we want everyone to be able to contribute to that and be part of that discussion but um we 
consider ourselves part of the food movement and that we see as like a, a push for local organic and sustainable agricultural practices we also see um, pushing education in the schools as a huge part of our agenda that meaning um, any idea about cooking growing food self-care which has been completely eliminated from any sort of public education yeah. and which is vital to a future in food and for our environment. Um, we also really want to push the breaking up of monopolies and the breaking down of corporate rule of our diet. And by that, we have some more specific goals, which Kristen can speak to as well. Yeah, I mean, really, um, you know, the traditional routes for trying to make change, you know, going through Congress, lobbying, changing legislation, all of this has not worked, clearly. I mean, look where we've 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 ended up and we've been trying these things for the past 30 years or more in the food movement, environmental movements, and they failed. And that's what Occupy Wall Street is talking about. They're like, you know, we can't go through these routes anymore. We have to take to the streets and we have to take matters into our own hands. So, you know, Occupy Big Food, similarly, we want to do that. And so, you know, we want to promote like a serious boycott of these large food corporations like Monsanto, Cargill. And we want to organize um, direct actions at their headquarters. We want to, you know, but we need to get enough people aware of what's going on in order to really create some real momentum here. So yesterday at the um, at the rally, one of the uh, representative from the Union of Food Services workers was there. And he's really supportive of Occupy Big Food, Occupy Wall Street. And um, that union has over 250,000 employees in the food service uh, union. And he's, he said, you know, these people have the highest, some of the highest rates of diet-related disease. And that's because they're eating all these, you know, industrial foods. They're not paid well, well enough to afford better quality foods. And many of them don't actually have access to these foods as well. So if we can mobilize these people and really align with groups like this and others, I think we could have some real power there. In a perfect world, if uh, you got Monsanto or Cargill or one of the other general general foods uh, to line up with your agenda of, say, sourcing locally or building regional, uh, interregional transport systems or distribution systems, I mean, do you think that that's do you think that's plausible? Do you think that's going to happen? Mm. So if not, how no. are you going to? Re- okay, but that's I mean that's no, yeah. the point. It's like how if they're if they're not willing to change and they do control so much of the food system, realistically, what can the goals be then in terms of forcing them or trying to force them to make some sort of change in how they source their foods, for instance? Honestly. Just for instance. Uh, we really are taking a more radical stance. We're not interested in them changing their ways. We're interested in them kind of just going away because dismantling them. <laughs> Disma- we're interested in taking them down completely. Because oh my god! All yeah. that they have done. The end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean honestly. Uh, I mean it's true though. I mean, how can we continue to like? How can we ever like? For example, support some more a place like Walmart, which just says like. Oh, now we're going to bring in more organic food and we're going to, you know, try to, you know, do sustainable practices and work with small farmers. But, you know, at the same time, like all they've done is is totally pare down the market for any opportunity for a small business to come in. They've completely treated their workers and given them no, you know, no health care, no support, well, like they terrible just wages. Cut their health care benefits by a substantial amount, but they do give them. Okay, so whatever. But I mean, all I'm saying is like these practices like are inherently terrible, and it's like the bigger system of corporate social rule which we're under that is the problem. So I'm not willing to work with a corporation. To be honest with you, I'm willing to take them down. 
But food distribution is dependent largely on companies like Cargill. So um, until we have an infrastructure that replaces that, what's, what's the plan? Like imagine, you, imagine <laughs> tomorrow there was no such thing as well, the, Cisco. Well, the, what would you do? The, what would people do? The, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. The scary thing about that is, you know, these corporations that control the food system and the fact that, you know, Walmart has like a quarter, what is it? a quarter of the share of U.S. control over U.S. groceries. groceries yeah. And most grocery stores only have three days worth of food in their inventory. So basically. what happens if Walmart has... Something a, happens yeah. in along their distribution route and some, you know, these things can crumble. There's just no security as it stands anyway. We're like definitely at a point where we're likely to have these issues arise as things are now. So that's why we're at a point where we have to really take matters into our own hands and figure out alternate alternate ways to get food it's, to everyone. It's not, I mean, I, I mean, the way you're phrasing it seems to be like you're asking what happens tomorrow if these corporations go away, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. We're going to pare down. We're going to support small, local, sustainable farmers, and we're going to work towards that. I mean, that's the goal. But without uh, some kind of government involvement, how can you fund the infrastructure necessary to create a regional network of distribution and, and pr- processing? <laughs> that's, that's what we need to that's work on. That's a million dollar question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we've been talking about that uh, on this network for the last two and a half years. And right. I've yeah. had so many people on to talk about distribution and sustainable practices and sourcing locally and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have Kathleen Merrigan, who paid great lip service as she came into the uh, agricultural, you know, as the Undersecretary of Agriculture who paid great service to the local and sustainable thing. And Mm -hmm. I have yet to see one, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I have yet to see one major government initiative that that supports regional infrastructure building. No, you're right. Have you seen anything? I mean, I could have missed it. No, right. But also the government bailed out the banks. I mean, the whole point of, like, Wall Street is that, like, this fundamentally is not working on a, you know on a bigger level than any sort of like one system with food, one system with banking. We're talking about late capitalism, which we've, you know, it's broken. If this yeah. isn't working, we're talking about a bigger issue. So it's not something that you can just kind of point to A, B, and C. I mean, it's the system itself that's just completely, you know. But yeah. the, the thing is, is we do, we need literally probably millions of new farmers and millions of new educators and people cooking and teaching people how to make, grow these foods, procure these foods, cook these foods. So, you know, hopefully as a movement, we can get enough people together and start having these grassroots like moments where we're like, let's start new farm programs, let's start new education programs, let's show people how to cook. You know, this is what we can do and as a group. rely on private donations and venture capital to fund it. Is that what you think would happen? We would love to get private donations. <laughs> um, sure. that, I mean, I mean yeah. I'm just curious. Like, for instance, I know Ann Saxelby brought this up in a, in a recent program, but where are the entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. Where are the venture capitalists? Why isn't anybody investing in a regional distribution network or a procurement and processing warehouse? I mean, yeah. where Great is point. that Great stuff? Point. And wh- I don't understand why, with all of the money floating around out there, um, and all of the people who seem to be paying lip service to this ideal, as well as, you know, the idea of, you know, better food systems overall, you know, nothing is really happening. And I, yeah, no, you know, it's I very mean, discouraging to me. I mean, I really don't get why, why this is not um, moving along faster than it is. Now, do you think that this movement will export to other cities? Are you planning on bringing this up in other cities across the nation? Or are you going to be flying around and yeah. create? Really? <laughs> Once mean, we get the private donations, we, we will be flying around. Yeah. No, we would. <laughs> we'd love to. Um, I think. I think the the first step in the in the proliferation of our specific take on this is that we focus on cities that are close to big ag 
corporations and big egg companies that like, you know, for example, in Minneapolis, I have a lot of friends because I'm from Minnesota that are very near to Cargill and they are interested in doing direct action uh, against Cargill. So for example, stuff like that, I mean, proliferating the movement in that way is really important. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And these communities are really affected by these large corporations, you know, I mean, the the runoff alone is making people sick. I mean, we're going on, you know, 50, 60, 70 years of this. Right. You know, enough is enough. Like, it's time to move on. Let's take a quick break, Jack, um, and come right back with um, Erica Lade and Kristen Workman. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins. I work for Fairway Markets in the New York area. And we're awfully proud to support Heritage Radio. And we care so much about everything that goes on out here at Roberta's and their studio because they talk to people who are, are serious about food and that's what we are at Fairway is we're serious about food. We we just care very deeply about about you as a as a customer and how you cook and what you cook with and how you entertain and and that's why we love to support Heritage Radio because it, it it's pretty much the same thing. It's wanting to to find happiness through serious food and people who are serious about it and and care about learning everything there is to learn about it. And that's that's we're kindred spirits. If it's something worth having in your kitchen, you're going to find it at, at Fairway. And if there's somebody worth talking to about food, you're going to find them on Heritage Radio, and we will be supporting you guys for a long, long time. At Fairway, I'm your personal grocer, Steve Jenkins, Fairway Market. It's the end of the world, and this is Straight No Chaser. (laughs) I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we're broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick. This is the Heritage Radio Network, and I'm in the studio today with Erica Lede and Kristen Wortman. These two ladies were a part of the organizing team behind Occupy Big Food, which was a little adjunct rally that happened yesterday in possibly the worst weather I have ever experienced. True story. And if anybody was tuning in at the beginning of the show and could hear that clip you could hear the sleet and snow hitting the microphone and the thunder, uh, thunder and the yeah. thunder in the background it was thunder it snow. was apocalyptic yeah. there was really no other word for it it was apocalyptic and um what you know mean uh, yeah exactly i well i'm constantly saying it's the end of the world because these weather <laughs> events i mean why doesn't the media link those to the global warming issue strongly correlated to industrial agriculture practices and devastation of the environment I, 
Thank you. Thank you. Just what I was about to say, Kristen. Well, let's pick up the thread again about big agriculture out in the Midwest and organizing um, this movement farther out from the coastal cities. Because, I mean, let's face it, here in, in you know the Northeast, we're all very much on board with this. And, and California and Oregon and Washington State, they're all very much on board with this. But when you go into the middle of the country, um, outside of the big cities like Chicago and Minneapolis, I think there is a tremendous disconnect. And let's talk a little bit about the impact of big agriculture, about these systems that are so firmly entrenched that do control so much of our food system, and how we're going to bring this message to um, a larger population that is not really necessarily all that interested in hearing about it. Farming communities generally are not interested in hearing this message. I'm just telling you from experience. <laughs> I mean, I've been out, you know, been to USDA, uh, you know, seminars and stuff like that. You get these big guys who have been working the same way for the same number, for, you know, X number of generations. And the idea of not getting a bigger crop, you know, per, you know, uh, per acre or whatever it is, you know, using these chemicals and whatever, they're not going to buy it. They need to make money. That's what they're about. And they don't see, you know, they don't see that what they're doing is a bad thing. And I don't know how you're going to make them see that. Mm. I mean, but aren't farmers getting screwed, really, basically, across the board? Um, I would say probably not. Just um, small farmers. Uh, yeah, I think if you tend to grow row crops mm-hmm. um, or are a small livestock farmer, you have a harder time because you can't, for instance, and this leads into that little discussion about futures. Right. Um, for instance, a large company like Cargill, which is going to buy, or Smith Smithfield. Oh, we have a caller? We have a caller. Oh. Um, do you want to put that person on, Jack? Okay. Sounds good. Jack is giving it the nod. Hello. This is Straight No Chaser. Hello. Um, this is Harriet from Portland, Oregon. Hi. And um, <laughs> I want to say really right on here. And I think that I keep hearing what the message is, is that this is going to kind of be a parallel system. So when I hear you talk about how we bring in... Um, mainstream agriculture, how we bring in the corporations. I think, like you all have been saying, that the opportunity to do that has been given and that (laughs) much outreach has been given to people who are, uh, we were hoping, would come into the fold and understand what the issues are. So the idea of creating a completely parallel system that's by and for the people, and that is already happening all over the country. Mm -hmm. This is just... It's already happening. So to be able to create a voice for it, to be able to, I mean, the same way to occupy uh, Wall Street, to be able to begin to coalesce what this movement is in, I mean, all over the place happening and bring it together, that's what I think where the excitement comes. So I don't, I agree, I don't think it's necessarily to bring in the corporations or venture capitalists because that's a system that has a completely different way of thinking about all things. And they're not going to do it one way or another if it doesn't sort of meet their bottom line. And our bottom lines are completely different. So they're almost like entirely to, and you know, to, to look at that realistically and say, well, how do you really do that in the marketplace? I think what we're talking is sort of a little bit about functioning outside the marketplace, yeah. uh, between ourselves, mm. uh, for ourselves in very different ways. And so th- that's, and so I'm just saying right on. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank thanks you. very much for and, the call. And thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank Keep you. listening. Thanks a lot, Harriet. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a great idea to have it sort of grow as it is growing, but at the same time, I do worry that it's going to be continually tarred with that elitist. Yeah, well, that's um, the one thing I, wanted, I do want to. We want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, like definitely 
uh, our movement is inherently non-hierarchical. It's, uh, you know, the voice of the people. We are not about blaming anybody. Uh, I think when corporate food is spending billions and billions of dollars a year on marketing, people don't have an opportunity to understand anything else. And I would never blame them for choosing the foods that they choose. I would never blame a farmer in the middle of America for not understanding that, you know, something has gone awry with the food system when, you know, the average age of the farmers out there is in the 50s across America, in fact. And um, I think we need to continue, like... To, to sort of sustain this movement in a non-hierarchical, non-blaming sense of, you know, the people. Like, we're, yeah. we're all in this together. Yeah, I mean, and just like Occupy Wall Street, they, they've basically set up an entire city down there because they're like, okay, our city isn't working. Let's create a new city. Exactly. And so if Occupy Big Food can do the same thing, let's create, you know, a parallel system, distributing food, teaching people about food, you know, inspiring people to become farmers and, like, really get this out there for everyone Let's take that route because like we're not going to be able to do it within the system. It's just not happening. We've been trying. You know, the thing that troubles me about this um, and, you know, I, of course, I'm, I'm deeply on your side, but I, you know, I just I keep going back to the um, <clears throat> the way the system is set up is the way that the entire nation is used to procuring their food. And when you change that, or when you try to change that, I really see that there'll be a great schism between the people who quote-unquote get it and the rest of the people who really, frankly, don't give a shit. And there's millions of people like that. And that's it's, it's how to address those people. It's how to bring that but is it body just- into the sort of discussion is it that they don't give a shit or is it that they don't know they don't know there's so That's much my opinion. i actually think people don't care that much i disagree I think a lot of people do not care i disagree i think I that think they people because they don't know or they don't care because they don't exactly know. I, I, I don't think that i'm not buying that people are so dumb they don't know that mcdonald's how, is not a good thing how, to eat three i times didn't a day. know until i was 22 and moved to france i ate mcdonald's every day until i was 22 I had no idea it was bad for me. My parents didn't tell me. My sister didn't tell me. My community didn't tell me. I was told every day in a marketing ad that McDonald's was great and beautiful and happy and fun. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the only fucking education I had. Excuse my language. Yeah, don't so, drop the like, F-bomb. So, I, have, I have to second that. Same here before I worked with Heritage. Is that yeah, right, John? Thank you. It's uh, true. Completely uneducated on food. Completely unaware. And As middle American, middle class, you know, white right. kids. Right. And and people even think that certain foods at, at McDonald's are healthy. This is how deep the marketing actually well, Those two apple slices, work. Kristen, are you telling me yeah. those aren't healthy? I am telling you those what? aren't healthy. <laughs> I'm really sorry. But I do know a friend of my husband the other day came back to lunch with a McDonald's sandwich. And his other friend said, wait, I thought you were like all into health food. And he's like, no, this is healthy. I just got a grilled chicken on on a bun. You know, this is how deep this marketing is working. I mean, there's probably like 70 ingredients in just the bun. Never yeah, mind the right, chicken sure. that's been pumped full of antibiotics and hormones. But how God do you know? How right, do you and know? he doesn't know. There's he's, opacity. He's, There's you know, no clarity on these right. things. Do you think that um, we could force more uh, transparency within these industries? I know, for instance, the, I mean, I'm I'm really into the meat packing industry. Yeah. I love yeah. I love the meat industry. I don't know why, but I do. So I've read a lot of stuff about it. I've met with them. I went on a tour of a Cargill plant. I was like one of the only journalists in 20 years to ever be wow. in this plant. And the, the Cargill folks are very much aware of consumer concern about where their 
their cows are coming from, their cattle are coming from, and how they're, how they're processed. And so they are creating new systems that create more transparency within their industry, and they're hoping that other, other companies will follow their lead, and I certainly do too. And I applaud them for doing it. I think it's great that they're making these steps. It's cost them a lot of money. They don't have to do it. They really what are, don't. What are they doing? They have a third-party audio video monitoring or excuse me, third-party video monitoring. In other words, they have cameras set up throughout the plant that are continuously monitored by a third party so that whenever there is an infraction, it's brought to the attention, the line is stopped, and whatever it is that happens is corrected. That's, that's big bucks. They don't have to do this. There's no legislation uh, I think they for, have to, a, for seeing a lot that. Of money to <laughs> they do, that. but they don't have to do this. Is my point. There's no legislation forcing them to do this. They're doing this because consumer awareness has been brought to bear on how many recalls and how dirty our meat supply is, and so on and so forth. But isn't and th- that like a band aid on a big gaping wound that is the factory meat industry? Yeah, I mean, but I don't know how you would change the factory meat industry. How would you how would you produce as much meat? Well, people need to stop eating as much meat as we're eating. Okay, one. we, we can say that all, we can say that all we want. People should stop eating this. People should stop eating that. But the fact is, people won't because they want it. They want to eat meat, and this is happening all over the third world. You've seen that. The statistics for how much third world or or uh, you know. Um, uh, less developed countries, as they develop and develop a better economy, they're eating more and more meat. They're following the American model. It's what people want to do. And unless you can offer some side, some sort of incredible alternative to that. Well, we were talking about this a little bit, just as far as like taste manipulation goes, mm-hmm. and the way the American public is like so inherently steeped in this like chemical, certain like meat, salty, savory, sweet taste yeah. issue. And once I think people, you know, once I think there are more choices, literally more. Uh, you know, interesting foods to eat, more healthy foods, and the palate changes, the the desire changes, everything changes. It, yeah. it overturns itself. I mean, it it doesn't happen overnight. There's nothing like you know. No, it's not. It's not to say like Americans are going to stop eating. You know, meat no. tomorrow. But it, you know, this is a slow change. This is an uproot. Yeah. Well, I think it is. I think it's a, a young generation's. I think it's your generation's mandate. This is your job to make this happen. Yeah, yeah. and absolutely. Because I will be long dead from additive, <laughs> chemical additives. It's not your fault. <laughs> no, it's not my fault. Um, we only have about three minutes left. Um, I have one burning question, and this is a question that I ask almost everybody that comes in these studios. Home ec. Oh, yeah. Bring yeah, it back, man. Absolutely. Bring it back. But bring back real food, home ec. I don't want to be cooking. I remember when I was cooking, yeah. like, Quick cinnamon foods in the microwave. Microwave. Yeah. yeah, we need to teach people to cook real healthy food from scratch. Gas stoves. Yeah, Gas stoves. Yeah. No, Kristen and I were actually <laughs> we were uh, we were talking about this, and um, I mean, one of the things that's going to be so vital. I mean, we were both really into Foucault, and we were just you know actually both reading the history of sexuality again, and there's this like emphasis on like self care and yeah. the idea of like how in, important it is to you know be aware of yourself and your own body and your own mind so that like you can give that to the the world that you're in. I mean, yeah. I think like also if we are at all interested in the environment, then the kids that we're teaching today need to understand how food ties into that. Yeah. And, and they need to understand how to eat it. Yeah. And you know, on that sort of same tip is that when you control the food supply, you literally control bodies when you think about it you're Mm -hmm. altering bodies you're altering palates you're altering taste preferences i mean it's a really deep control so we need to educate people just on that alone you know and starting to change these palates 
We Absolutely. love Home Ec. We have one more minute. So yeah, I love Home Ec too. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm launching a one woman campaign to bring Home Ec back right. into the public school system. But um, ladies, let us uh, tell people where they can yeah. find out more about Occupy Corporate Food or excuse me, Occupy Big Food. Yeah, We just started a blog. It's OccupyBigFood.wordpress.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. It's Occupy Big Food. Um, we have a Facebook page. Yep. And we're also, we have an email address, OccupyBigFood at gmail.com. Very good. And Kristen, your your articles, and specifically the one you were just referring to yeah, that was in the Huffington Post. You can find it on my out. blog, which is kristinwortman.wordpress.com. How do you spell your name, honey? K-R-I-S-T-I-N-W-A-R-T-M-A-N.wordpress.com. Everything's all compiled there. And uh, so, folks, if you're interested in, in uh, trying again to visit with the Occupy Big Food Rally, maybe next week, maybe later, um, stay in touch with all of these various social media outlets. This has been episode number four, I think, of Straight No Chaser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Katie Kiefer. Thanks very much to my guests, Erica Lade and Kristen Wartman. Thank and you. Thanks, thanks Jack, Katie. my intrepid friend and producer. And I'll see you next week with... Alex Prudhomme and The Ripple Effect, talking all about water. This HeritageRadioNetwork.com program was brought to you by Fairway Market. You can find all of our programs on iTunes by searching the iTunes store for Heritage Radio Network. You can also find all of our programs archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.com, as well as a calendar of live shows. Thanks again for tuning in. The following is a public service announcement from Food Karma. To kick off the New York City Meat Week in style, Meat with a Twist will bring together the best chefs and mixologists for a cocktail food pairing party on November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Meat with a Twist features 10 cocktails paired with 10 chef selections, highlighting local, sustainably grown meats such as duck, lamb, chicken, pork, beef, bison, and ostrich. The party will launch a week's worth of events throughout the city that celebrate the slow food movement bringing sustainable meats to our tables. Again, that's November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Updates, tickets, and more information are available at meatweeknyc.com.